What is up, everybody? Welcome to the first Granny Shot episode of 2021. We've got 2020 in the rearview mirror coinciding with the start of the NBA season. It's kind of the perfect way to end 2020. We've got the NBA back. We've got a vaccine on the way. Hopefully, everything is going to be normal. I've got Delco and Don with me here per usual. Guys, I hope you had a fantastic holiday season and a fantastic new year. Hope you did too, Ryan. It's been a while. I don't, we haven't had the gang all here in like four or five weeks because of the holiday season, but it's, it's nice. It's good to see both your faces, surprisingly. Yeah. Ha- happy New Year, pals. Uh, 2021 has a low bar to beat, uh, but hopefully it'll be a good year and hopefully we'll actually be able to catch some games in person by the end of the season. Maybe that's a little optimistic, but that would be nice to stroll on over to Barclays and actually watch some basketball live. I love the optimism. Let's let's hope so. I certainly hope we can see some live games maybe in the April, May time frame. But let's let's jump into it. So we haven't had an episode in about two weeks and that perfectly coincided with the start of the NBA season. Each team right now has had about five games under their belt, each give or take. Um, if you haven't listened to some of our previous episodes, we do preview pretty much every single team in our over-under episodes. If you want to listen to those, feel free to go back. It's still very relevant considering how early in the season we are right now. What we're going to talk about today is we're really going to get into the, the first five games. So probably a lot of overreactions right, with the small sample sizes um, and just the, the short amount of games that have been played thus far. Uh, we're going to be talking about biggest surprises from whether it's a team's perspective or an individual perspective. And then we're going to get into a, a granny fantasy segment. So for any fantasy NBA players out there, uh, we'll have a quick segment at the end here where we're going to talk about some of our key sleepers and, and some outlooks for the upcoming weeks. Um, new segment I'm going to try out here is I've got a trivia question for you guys, and I want to see uh, where your knowledge is of the NBA. I'm going to test you each week and see where you're at. I think it's become very obvious with all my predictions that have gone wrong that I know nothing about the NBA, but I'll take a stab at these questions. Don, how do you feel? And you think you think you're going to be able to stump Delco? I want the granny jingle, Ryan. Uh, <laughs> the, the granny jingle's been Classic put on distraction. Hiatus. Classic <laughs> distraction. <laughs> the granny jingle will be done in 2021. That's my New Year's resolution. It's only resolution. It's, it's going platinum. <laughs> All right, so this is how the trivia question is going to work. I'm going to read it to you guys. Uh, I'm not going to reveal the answer to the end of the episode. So while we're talking in between segments, if if one of us is talking or rambling on, you can possibly think about it. No cheating. I'm watching you. So I see you on video right now. And if I see any sense of cheating, I will call you out. We have honor, Brian. Yeah, Yeah, I I don't know about that. So question is, and, and let me just give you a little bit of background on how I got to this question. And I think we'll probably end up talking about the Warriors here later on in the episode. But I'm watching the Warriors play and I'm just thinking, God, this is sad. Right? They're OK. They're not terrible right now, but it's just how far they've fallen in the last few years because of players leaving and and injuries. And I'm sitting there and I'm watching and I'm thinking, gosh, man, I really miss Clay Thompson. So I've never been a huge Warriors fan, but I love Clay Thompson. Um, I think he's always been a little bit of an unsung hero on that team. And. This year, they've got Kelly Oubre trying to fill that void. So anyways, it's a Clay Thompson-themed question. And as we all know, Clay Thompson has the most points in a single quarter. It's 37 points in 2015. What I was going to ask was who had the second most points in a single quarter. However, I accidentally gave that answer away as we were prepping for this episode. 
The answer to that question is Kevin Love with 34 points in the first quarter against the Trailblazers in 2016. So I'm pivoting. The question is, who has the third most points in a single quarter? And there's actually two answers. One is a former player and one is a current player. I will take either or, and I will actually tell you the amount of points that it is. It is 33 points. So think about it. If you know it off the top of your head or right now or what you're thinking, you can let me know. I'm not giving you the final answer to the end of the episode. It's not It's not Clay Thompson, right? It is not. And it is not Kelly Oubre. <laughs> it's definitely <laughs> not Kelly Oubre. Has Kelly Oubre scored 36 points this season? Uh, I don't think so. His 4% percentage from the three-point line isn't helping. Yeah. Call me up, Warriors. I, I, I can exceed that. Don Don's over there just thinking real hard about it. Yeah, I'm going to need to the end of the podcast. I have a couple. I just need to, uh, okay. need to break it down. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, we'll get to the answer there at the end. So let's jump into our our, our main topics here today. And that's going to be biggest surprises, both from a team and individual perspective, whatever you guys have here. Um, Don, I'm going to come to you first. What out of the first five games of the season jumps out to you as uh, maybe the most interesting topic or, or the biggest surprise? Most interesting surprise, and I guess the topic as well, is that the East is not shaking out at all the way I thought it would. They're the bottom. They're like bottom half teams that are filling out the top eight spots right now. Um, it is early in the season, obviously, but at the end of the day, I've seen blowouts um, from like the Knicks. Like blew out the Bucks the other week, which by like thirty or forty points, it was very uncharacteristic and really weird. And the Heat, right? The Heat are in the bottom. Um, the Raptors are in the bottom, like all these like top four or five seeds that I have finishing at the end of the season are really struggling early on. Um, even the Wizards are one in five right now. And they're a team that before the season, I think all of us were pretty high on at least to fight for that eighth seed. And again, I know it's super early in the season, but just the way things are shaking out, the Cleveland Cavaliers have played really, really well. A lot of young presence on that team that has stepped up. You have like some no-brainers like the Philadelphia 76ers are performing well. Everyone expected them to perform well. But let me just read the top the top eight. The 76ers, the Pacers, the Cavs, the Magic, the Hawks, the Nets, Knicks, and Celtics. That's in order. But the sample um, size is so small here. Yeah, it is super small. But regardless, I don't know in any world you put the Bucks against the Knicks and you have them losing by 30 or 40. Yeah, I mean, you're just you're seeing very lopsided wins and losses, which is, I think, one of the most interesting things that I've seen so far. I just wouldn't expect teams with that high of caliber to get blown out. And they're playing their star- starters. It's not like, you know, they rested uh, Giannis or they weren't resting anyone, right? They're just getting blown out um, and outperformed, really, from, from an offensive and defensive standpoint. So I think that's the biggest thing I've seen so far is I think this is going to be an awesome year, but like a super crazy year um, when it comes down to the deadline, because just as the, the restrictions we have, the way the schedule is laid out, I think this this Eastern Conference is going to be uh, wild, wild west going into you know the later half of the season. So something to, to keep in mind, one I, I think is obvious. One is that we're in a, a shortened off season, right? A lot of these teams had a quick turnaround um it probably wasn't the normal offseason they're used to a lot of the rookies had to kind of hit the ground running and uh, didn't get much time uh same with free agents didn't get much time to integrate with the teams and then you know you you also have the sample size i think this happens every single year both in the nba and also with you know fantasy where you get a handful of games of something happening and 
you think it's defying the trends of the past or or the trends of expectations. And I, I think along with the shortened offseason, that's really what we're seeing here. I, I think because of the shortened offseason, you might have some of those weird blowouts and those weird games where nothing is clicking for the team that's supposed to be winning. But I think every year you see some teams, you know, get off to a hot start that, you know, eventually fade to black. I, I feel like, you know, in the past, the Sixers have done that where they won a couple wins in the beginning and people are like, Oh, maybe they're not so bad. And then they lost like 40 in a row. And I, I still expect that here with a lot of these teams. I expect that with the Cavs, Colin Sexton's averaging about 26 per game. I'm not sure if we can expect that moving forward. Um, same with the Knicks. I, I don't see them necessarily continuing this pace that they're on. And I think some of these other teams will uh, start to click and get their shit together. And we'll start to see the Eastern Conference shape up um, a little bit more how we imagined it. That being said, it is a shortened season. We're about 9 or 10% of the way through the season. And so even though it is a small sample size, it's not completely meaningless. So maybe there are some things to to take away here. But I think for the most part... It's just about not getting too caught up in, in the first couple of games and, and letting things kind of fall, letting the, the dice fall where they may. So I'm not that surprised about the Bucks. Of course, I'm surprised they got blown out by the Knicks, but the fact that they're three and three is not that surprising to me. I think you have to always give teams that really change their core time to figure things out. Um, so I'm not that surprised about that. I also I, I went on record before the season started and saying I didn't think the Bucks actually got any better with the trade that they made. So... I'm not that shocked about really anything that's happened in the East right now. I agree with you that no one's asserting themselves as clear dominance thus far. Um, I guess you can maybe make the case that the Sixers are because the Sixers are, are five and one. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's kind of a clusterfuck right now in the East, and it'll be interesting to see if it stays that way. Yeah, I just don't. If there's any season that you can't afford a slow start, I think it's this season because one one injury sets you back. A lifetime this year. Usually, what you see right out the gate, I know it can be misrepresentative of what's going to happen in future, like play and outlook. But even just to see the start for some of these teams that I predicted to be the bottom three, like they're performing way better than I thought they would. Like I thought the Knicks were going to be complete trash, and they at least show a little bit of sign of hope, um, in my opinion, from what I've seen the Cavs as well. Like I do understand the sample size is small, but usually what you see out the gate from teams in a five game sample size is actually, it's not completely indicative of future success, but it's also a great window um, to see what the potential is. And that's why I think it's going to be a very muddled back and forth season with the East. I think the, the five through eight, especially is going to be neck tight. Um, We're definitely going to see some stand apart, but again, the biggest thing, I mean, the wizards are one in five, the Raptors are one in four. These are teams that I know Ryan, I know you're big on the Raptors. Yeah, the Raptors are a team I was going to bring up. I wouldn't say I'm necessarily big on them. I, I did see them falling off a little bit this year, but I didn't think that they were going to have the the poor start that they have had. Uh, so they are they are one and four. Something that's interesting is that they're they're really struggling on the offensive side of the ball. Um, they're shooting the second worst in the NBA behind the Warriors, who have Kelly Oubre really bringing that down quite a bit. Uh, shooting only 41% from the field. They really got to figure that out. And, and you know, like I've, I've got a lot of faith in Nick Nurse to steer that ship and figure it out. I've got a lot of faith in them finding the rotations that work. After they had Marcus All and Ibaka leave, they're still trying to figure out that front court. I think Chris Boucher is a guy that, that'll probably see increased minutes and, and they're going to have to lean heavily on him to make an impact. 
But yeah, the, the Raptors are an interesting one, right? I, I think that some people's worries of of them sliding are being are coming to reality, uh, at least in the first five games of the season here. They've also had a tougher schedule than some of these other teams. Um, they lost to the 76ers, the the Spurs, who, you know, I know we we took the under on them and didn't expect much, but at the end of the day, they're still a tough team to beat as long as Pop is there. And they lost to the Pelicans twice, who actually looked pretty solid. I watched a good bit of that game last night, and and the Raptors actually had a nice little comeback against the Pelicans there, but the, the Pelicans were able to close them out. So they, they haven't necessarily had the cushier schedules that I think some of these teams at the top have had. And I'll be curious to see how they can bounce back against some of those softer teams that I think they're well equipped to beat. But that's not like a like a tough schedule. I mean, their one win is the next. Right. Yeah. They ha- they don't have any quality wins, that's for sure. Yeah. At least the games are cl- at least the games are close. I mean four to the Pels, five to the Spurs um seven to the 76ers like at least it, at least they're not getting super blown out but at the end of the day i mean as we've seen it doesn't really matter if you lose by three or four or one it's a loss is a loss and closing out those games is something they're gonna have to do in this season without a doubt and then into the playoffs if they want to you know make a run yeah and i think another team in the east that isn't doing quite so bad as the raptors but might be starting to worry a little bit is the nets they're three and three right now they got off to a super hot start against the Warriors and Celtics, I believe it was. That's correct. They they looked like the best team in the NBA, to be frank. And that's coming from someone who took the under on them. They looked pretty much unbeatable. And then they followed those two games with losses to the Hornets with KD and Kyrie both playing. That was absolutely shocking. And to be honest, KD makes that, that last shot that he missed 90 out of 100 times. So it was a, a bit of a lucky bounce there for the Hornets. But... They follow that loss up um, with some rest from Kyrie and KD and lose to the Grizzlies. They're three and three right now. They're at fifty percent. I think they have to be a little bit worried, especially considering one of their best playmakers, Spencer Dinwiddie, has a partially torn ACL and is a question mark to come back this season. Are you worrying if you're Steve Nash in the Nets? I, I mean, no. I think you want a, a hotter start, especially with the question marks around Kyrie and KD's health. You know, seeing as you're losing games to weaker teams with them in the game early in the season, I kind of expected them to to be where the Sixers are at right now and then maybe uh, taper off a bit toward the end with dealing with health issues. But now they already have a major injury to an important player on their team and they're sitting at three and three early in the season. But it sounds like you're not worried, Ryan. I'm not. No, and I go back to the same point that I made about about the Bucks, you know, these teams always have to have some time to figure things out, build some chemistry, work through some kinks. Kevin Durant hasn't played basketball in over a year and he's come back and he's looking great, right? The chemistry thing needs time. And I think they're going to sort through that. Um, the, the Grizzlies lost. They threw a team out there, probably likely expecting to lose. So they've got a win against the Warriors, a win against the Celtics, uh, a loss to the Grizzlies, uh, where Kevin Durant and Kyrie both didn't play. And then they split with the Hawks, uh, which I think is you know, the Hawks are, are a good team. So a split with the Hawks isn't necessarily a bad result. So I think they've got one bad loss right now, and that's the Hornets. Um, and I, I think that's fine, right? It was for a team that has never played together. It's early in the season. They've got a new coach. I'm really not worried about the Nets. I think the Nets are still going to be very good. Um, I don't know what you mean exactly by worried, right? I guess, um, like, what, what do you mean by that? Like, are, are, are you worried that they're not going to make the playoffs? Are you worried that they're, 
not going to be a top half of a playoffs team? Like, what, what do you mean? Yeah, I, 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 I would be surprised if they ended up missing the playoffs with the talent that they have. But just worried in the sense that, you know, it's still early in the season where the, your guys like KD and Kyrie are fresh. They've played five out of six games. They're playing well. I know you said they need time to develop chemistry, but they're both playing at their absolute you know, peaks pretty much right now. They're playing incredible basketball. I'm saying, are you, are you worried that you're not getting off to that hot start that you might have wanted and that you're down arguably your second best playmaker, maybe third best after Durant playmaker in, in Spencer Dinwiddie only six games into the season? I mean, if, if Kevin Durant goes down, which is not completely out of the question, then I think they're starting to sweat a little bit in terms of making the playoffs. Yeah, but yeah. I think that that's that's that, that you could have said that before the season started though, right? So I don't know. I I'm not that worried about them. I think they're still a top half East team and I, I think they're gonna finish there. I, th- I think the question is when when Katie and Kyrie sit, it's almost a guaranteed loss because you have essentially the Karis Lavert show maybe kicking it out to Joe Harris. It's not a very good team at all. I think Dinwiddie was absolutely critical to that team in terms of keeping them floating with Durant and Kyrie out. So that that's a massive loss for them. And now they have almost no margin for error in terms of injuries or players playing well. They need everyone to stay completely healthy. They need everything to go well um, to have the the championship run that I think they're expecting this year. So, you know, I, I know sample size, I'm, I'm all about sample size, but with the way things have gone, starting three and three, losing a key guy so early, maybe, feeling a little bit less confident than I was in the beginning of the season. I think you both know that I took the under on, on the net. So it'll be curious to see how durable KD and Kyrie can be and who can take over um, for the nets when, when they're sitting, because all I'm seeing really right now is Karis Levert. And I don't know if he's good enough to completely carry the squad on his own. I think they'll lose the majority of those games where they both said, I think something that you may see them doing, and this goes to, you know, them still trying to figure things out is instead of sitting both of them, maybe they just sit one of them on back to backs. You know, one of them sits one night, one of them sits the other night. So I, I still stand by that. I think they're just sorting through things. I think a lot of these teams that have superstars have slow starts. Um, you can look at the Miami Heat. They had a slow start when they first got together with LeBron, Chris Bosch, Dwayne Wade. Uh, so I'm really not worried about it. I do think that they can still be competitive even in those games if they do both sit out. They lost an overtime to the Grizzlies when when it was the Levert show, as you said. So um, it, it depends on who they're playing. But there are a lot of teams out there where if it's a back-to-back against a lesser team, they're still going to have a chance to get a W. But they will lose the majority of those games. But I'm, I'm not overreacting here. I, I still think the Nets definitely finish in the top four in the East. How about just the fact that Kevin Durant has played really well and he hasn't played a big game in, in over a year and he looks maybe 80% of the Kevin Durant that he was. That's pretty remarkable, right? Torn Achilles in a lot of ways has ended a lot of people's careers. Especially with a guy like that seven footer physical guy who's really skinny. Um, it's it's definitely impressive. I, I know everyone knows I'm no fan of KD, but a lot of respect for how he's come back from that injury. And it's like he hasn't skipped a beat. Yeah, agreed. It's refreshing to watch him play again. Not a big fanboy of Kevin Durant, but you have to appreciate the skill set he has. I mean, he's one of the most fun people yeah. to watch in the history of the game. If, if you need a bucket, there's not many people on the list in the history of the league that you're taking over Kevin Durant to just say, hey, go get me two points. Yeah, and, and before we transition, I, I know before I was taking the under, but I did think as long as they snuck into the playoffs that they were right up there, if not the favorites, to uh, come out of the East. 
I, w- I just want to say one more time, I think this Spencer Dinwiddie injury is going to come back to haunt them. And even if they do make the playoffs and they're at full strength besides Dinwiddie, having Dinwiddie come off the bench and run that second unit would have put pushed them over the top and made them the clear favorites. And now I think they're really potentially going to struggle with uh, with depth. I think one thing I did want to ask, I know it's not really on topic for us today, but um, do we think the Wizards made a mistake sending John Wall given I know it's only been two games <laughs> making fun of sample size this entire time, but John Wall looks really good. He looks quick. He looks smart. Um, I mean, Russell Westbrook, look at the Wizards. They're one and four uh, or one and five. five, one and five. Do you guys think they made a mistake? Right. Like, I don't want to make this a long topic, but no, I'm not even going to say anything because I got railed for saying that I thought it was an even trade and I stand by it. Russ, Russ looks fine too. I, I don't think it was a mistake. I mean, and also let's, let's, chill out on uh, on i mean i I'm, I'm happy john wall looked good in the first two games also but it's you know sample size westbrook doesn't play winning basketball he's he's never had a losing season since his rookie year but yeah. he's always had a, another superstar on his team except for once he's got bradley beal all right let's move on <laughs> <laughs> yeah let's let's lead into some of the west coast teams that have been struggling and I, I know we've mentioned kelly Ubre's name multiple times here he uh kind of was the theme of the trivia question because he's only made 4% of his threes and trying to replace Clay Thompson Oof. or at least fill some of that Clay Thompson void at one for 25 so far through five games. Of course, that's not going to last. He'll improve there. I'm actually a, I like Kelly Oubre a lot. So I, I still have a lot of uh, faith in the fact that he'll turn it around, but it's, it's definitely funny at least right now, like 4%. You know, that's, absurd unbelievable that's one shot right one for 25 you know that's in his head every time he lets the ball go he's just envisioning it clanking the warriors look not good they they just they just simply don't look good i've watched them multiple times this year if steph doesn't go absolutely off and is incredibly efficient it looks like they're gonna lose and I think you can probably say the same thing that it's like the theme of what I'm saying is that some of these teams that have new cores and new guys need a little bit of time to figure things out. I think you can say the same thing there for the Warriors. But the more I watch the Warriors, the more I think they're not making the playoffs in the West. Yeah, they've certainly looked terrible. I think we as a group kind of had this idea that Steve Kerr would would have some of these guys playing solid basketball and, and Steph would be able to lead. I don't want to overreact because something that we haven't brought up yet that is absolutely critical is Dre has only played one game on limited minutes and he is absolutely crucial to everything about this team. Their, their defense, their leadership, the ball movement. When Draymond's on the court, it's a completely different team. In those eight, 18 minutes he was on the court, everyone was more relaxed. The ball was going where it needed to be. It wasn't just kind of like when Steph doesn't have it, we're just panicking. So I think they'll. I think they'll figure it out. Obviously, Kelly is not going to shoot anywhere near four uh, percent for this season. But I'm also starting to worry a little bit too. I mean, a- Andrew Wiggins has played exactly how we expected him to play, which is a couple decent games, but generally inefficient and not smart basketball. Um, Wiseman has looked pretty good, but he's he's a rookie, and you don't want to lean too much on him. So if Draymond comes back and they're still looking terrible, it's absolutely panic mode. But I think they could still sneak into that bottom half of, of the playoffs if Draymond can come in and settle the team down, which I think he will. 
Yeah, I guess that's not that shocking, right? I think when we talked about the over-unders, we were all pretty much Warriors will sneak into the playoffs. That's like a seven or eight seed. Um, I don't think Draymond makes a massive difference. I think that's probably where where we differ. I think they're going to find Kelly Oubre a role that fits, and they're going to find Wiggins a role that fits, and I, I think they'll end up being in that seven, eight, seven to ten range. I just think right now I'm leaning towards them not making the playoffs. I'm shocked you say Draymond isn't that important. I mean, he... Uh, he's the, the veteran leadership on this team. He's kind of the the solid foundation of this team's offense and defense. Um, when he's not out there, it's basically just people swarming Steph and hoping to God that they can get it in Andrew Wiggins or Kelly Uber's hands and have them shoot or make a mistake. And having Draymond out there calms things down. He knows where people need to be. He knows where the ball needs to be. He understands center of gravity of an offense. And on defense, he's a he's a pest and he's strong and he's smart. Uh, he's certainly going to make a major difference for this team, in my opinion. I still stand by that. And I'll be curious to see if if they can bounce back a little bit with his leadership. Because honestly, a lot of it seems to be mental. A lot of the Warriors' struggles just seem to be like all these guys in their own heads. And no one is really able to step up and be that leader. I mean, Steph isn't necessarily like the leader of the team. He's the star. He's the show. He's the scorer. But he's not exactly you know the, the veteran, hard-nosed leader. As you were talking about with Trey, if if you can't stop anyone on the defensive end, it's hard to kind of scream at your teammates to play better defense. And I think that's where Draymond comes in and makes a big difference. I think Draymond's good. I think I've always been wishy-washy on Draymond. I think it's way way easier to look more important for a team when you have Clay Thompson and Steph Curry. Agreed. Both. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll see what he can do. I think he's gotten older. I think is in my opinion. I don't know how much he, again, he, he makes a difference on that team. Um, I don't think the Warriors make the playoffs. I'll just say it right now. So it's on record. The West is shaping out a lot differently than I thought. Um, I think there are going to be some teams that push their way back up like the Nuggets. Um, I just don't, at the end of the day, I don't think Ubre and Wiggins as your supports for that team are going to push you into the playoffs given the depth of the West. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I, I'm still on the fringe here, but, uh, I agree with your take. I take on Draymond. I've always thought Draymond was a little overrated. So we'll see if he makes a big difference coming back into this into this team. But um, I'm saying they'll, they'll be around the playoff mode, but I think they're going to slip out. Um, Wiseman's fun to watch. I think he's been really fun to watch. Yeah, he is. He's doing exactly what we were talking about preseason. We were saying he could fit well with this Warriors team. Is He knows his role. He's not trying to be a superstar until it's garbage minutes, and he thinks he has the green light. But He's huge. He fights for those rebounds. He's actually hitting some shots outside the paint. Uh, he definitely his, looks his really outside good. shot is refreshing. It, it's 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 nice to see. You know, it's it's. I, I didn't think he was going to step in in his rookie year and and be shooting threes as confidently as he is. It it probably makes you more confident when one of the higher paid people on your team is shooting four percent. So he's probably like, if Kelly's going to shoot four percent, I can beat that. And that probably gives him some extra confidence, but he he's definitely looked good. Yeah. So speaking of players that are shooting poorly from three, another guy that I would call out as a as a surprise start. And it's funny that all of our surprise starts have been on the negative side. I think that maybe we're our, our 2020 pessimism is just leaking into 2021. But another surprise from a poor perspective is is Luca. Um, not necessarily that he's played terribly or anything along those lines but maybe he's not living up to the hype and the fact that he's shooting 16 percent from three on, on very high volume 
that's something that that has jumped out to me and uh, we'll, we'll see how that how that turns around i know it's small sample size but five games uh, 25 to 30 ish threes that he's attempted thus far this season and only hitting at a 16 percent clip yeah he's so important for that team too i've watched a couple of his games he still looks really good but agreed that three ball for him especially last season um really the threat right whenever he's open he's going to bang down that three not having that makes the mavs very human and they're going to need that if they want to push into the playoffs i know it is early in the season but i agree uh, that sample size is not one that is not one that you want in the beginning. I think Luca will be fine. I'm not sure if he's going to make the step with his three ball that we th- thought he might be able to make this year. I do think that's coming in his career. I don't think he's going to, you know, be shooting below 30% when it's all said and done from three. I think he'll be all right there. But I think what's most worrying about this is that, you know, when I watched him play the Hornets, they weren't close misses. <laughs> like He was he was all over the place with that shot. It wasn't like just some unlucky bounces or, you know, hitting the rim. It, it was, it was pretty bad. So, you know, maybe it's the lack of off season. Maybe it's just one of those things, one of those cold streaks. I know he is uh, dealing with a quad injury, I believe. So maybe that has something to do with it. Um, but I, I have faith in him. I don't, I don't think he's, his three ball is broken or anything. It's just a, a cold streak. And maybe it's just a matter of, we're not going to see that leap that we, we're hoping could come but uh, he'll be fine it's it's also important to point out he's never really been like a great three-point shooter right you know, he's 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 hover, hovered around 31 32 percent in his first two seasons it is also important to note that he typically takes very difficult threes step back threes contested threes uh and maybe he needs to just kind of scale that back a little bit until he gets his rhythm back i will say if i'm Defending against Luca until he does figure that out. I'm giving him that step back all game and just making sure he doesn't get in the paint where he's remained very dangerous this year. We saw what he did to Bam a couple days ago. Put him in the washing machine. Yeah, that was that was a sexy move. If, if uh, Luca looks like if he was you know, four or five inches bigger, he would have been a, a fantastic '90s post up player. Sabonis style been fun to watch. <laughs> Speaking of, Sabonis has been balling in the post too. He's a fantastic player. I think he just recorded his hundredth double double with the Pacers um, two nights ago. Yeah, he's he's been playing well, and, and the Pacers have maybe been one of the positive surprises thus far. Maybe not, maybe not like a huge surprise, but um, I think a lot of people thought maybe the Pacers took a step back this year, and it looks like they're keeping pace with where they were last season. That's what they do. They're Pacers. Hey, <laughs> nice. All right, guys. So any other big call outs from the first five, six games of the season? Anything that you're looking forward to to seeing over the next five to ten games or I'm looking forward to seeing how these teams like the Bucks and the Heat and uh, the Raptors and Celtics respond to slow starts. I think they're all going to be completely fine. And I'm, I, I don't think that the the Cavs and and Knicks will be able to maintain this pace. So just curious to see how these teams respond to the kind of flip-flop start, but mo- mostly just incredibly excited to have basketball back, be checking these box scores every night. It's so nice. Speaking of box scores and, and checking those stat lines, I think that's a perfect segue into our first granny fantasy roundup, right? So 
Uh, for any of our listeners out there that do play fantasy basketball, the three of us are, are big, avid fantasy basketball players. We've been playing for the last seven or eight years at this point. Um, so this is just going to be a quick little three to five minute segment of guys that you should absolutely have on your roster, as well as some key pickups maybe for the week ahead. Um, if you don't play fantasy basketball, you're more of a casual NBA fan and then you want a reason to get more into the NBA, highly suggest it. Even if you're not a big NBA fan, it's just a fun uh, thing to do from a stats perspective and a co- competition perspective. If you play fantasy football, I promise, promise, promise you, you will like fantasy basketball, even if you're not a huge NBA fan. So, guys, we compete against each other in fantasy basketball. I don't want you to hold back because of that. Who are your three? Who are your sleepers or guys to keep an eye on based on the first week of the season? Don. Um, so just for those listeners out there, just to know we play a category style fantasy system. Um, if you do ever look it up, right? We're not doing scoring or points. We're doing categories. Um, I've also won the last two years, but um, in a row, no big deal. My biggest sleeper that may or may not still be on in like free agency or what we call like the wire um, is going to be Keldon Johnson of the Spurs. He's a player that Popovich has been building around uh, and he missed most of the preseason with an injury. And then as soon as he was healthy enough to play, he started and got 30 plus minutes. They even moved DeRozan down to the four or five so he could fit in. Um, he is a fantastic player. He's got not only great assets across the board, but he's shooting about 43, 44% from three this year so far. Um, talk about a team that's going to rebuild, right? We talked about that in the offseason, how the Spurs are going to rebuild and start utilizing these uh, core young players again. And I think he's going to fit right into rotation. And Popovich has spoken really highly of him. Um, he's going to be, again, one that you want to eye that may or may not be available. If you're in a super competitive league, he's probably already taken. But if he's not, he's a great guy to go get. And then another person that I picked up very early on was Garland um, of the Cavs. He had a tremendous first game and he's been picking it up. He actually had a terrible game last night. I think he was like three or 14, but that's to be expected. He's a more or less high volume shooter, but as long as those buckets are going down, he's going to get you nice rebounds, nice assists, steals, and then points as well. Um, so he, those are two players that may or may not be available that are going to have, in my opinion, great seasons going forward because of the role that's going to be asked of them. And I think they're also just in that period of making leaps with the team that they're on. So those are the two that I'm uh, I'm focusing on. Yeah, I think those are both good ones. You know, young guys kind of carving out a, a bigger role in the team. I I, I like the the Garland call out because he's even not from a fantasy perspective, just in general, he's been a huge reason why the Cavs have a hot start. Delco, how about you? Well, yeah, Garland and then Sexton going 26 per game and and looking real tough. We'll see if they can maintain that. Um, mine might be a little bit more obvious, but I couldn't help but notice that both of them are uh, under 30% owned on ESPN. So felt I needed to call them out. The first one is Darius Basley. Uh, he's a forward for the OKC Thunder. Uh, he basically has free reign to get 30 plus minutes on this team. And when you get that many minutes uh, as a starter, you're bound to come up with some stats. He's a good source of rebounds and blocks, a good free throw shooter, and a young guy with a lot of upside. So I think he has a decent floor and a very high ceiling. So he's someone who shouldn't be on any waiver wire. 
And then Derek White for the Spurs. I think he was expected to be out a little bit longer than he actually was. He's probably going to be coming back fairly slowly, but he should also not be on any waiver wires. He's the kind of guy who can help you in free throw percentage and assist without hurting you anywhere. And it's kind of rare to have players who don't hurt you in any category. And if you can get someone like that off the waiver wire, then um, it's a great get. So those are maybe two more obvious names if you're in a more competitive league, but apparently 70% of ESPN leagues don't have either of those guys rostered. So um, if you're on one of those leagues, then get on him right away. And someone who's really surprised me this year, uh, he's always been a solid fantasy asset, but as of right now, he's uh, top 10 per game is CJ McCollum. He's been absolutely hooping 28 points per game, five threes per game, six assists, getting some decent defensive stats, efficient as always. I don't think he can keep it up. So if you have him, uh, I would be looking to sell high as someone in our league uh, did, I believe. But you know, at the same time, he's passing the eye test when I watch his games. He's He knows exactly where his spots are. He's getting to those spots, and it seems like he doesn't miss for, you know, long periods, long stretches of the game. He's um, definitely passing the eye test, and I think maybe a difference here compared to the other seasons is he's doing it on higher volume. So he's always been kind of an efficient guy, but he seems to be taking a lot of those shots. It remains to be seen if that's how it's going to be for the rest of the year, if some of those shots will shift back to Dame. We'll see. Um, but but CJ has been a nice little surprise this year, and and the Blazers are just a really fun team to watch in general. Yeah, McCollum's always been one of those kind of high floor guys, but maybe had a ceiling that you, you didn't think was going to be too high. But he's kind of breaking that expectation of what his ceiling may be down at least in the first couple of games here. So yeah, I, I could see you wanting to hold him. I could see you maybe wanting to sell high there. I'm going to take a little bit of a different angle here and just uh, talk about Week Three. So anyone that might be wanting to make a pickup here in the weeks coming up, the schedule this coming week is is a little odd in the sense that there's a lot of games. Every team plays three or four games this week, but Tuesday, Thursday has the least amount of games. So I would advise people to look at picking people up that have games on Tuesday and Thursday because uh, the waiver or, or, or the transaction line there will be a, a limited. So getting those guys now is advisable. Teams like the... Clippers, Trailblazers, Nuggets, and particularly the Nets, in my opinion. Picking up players off of the bench for the Nets this week is a great ad because they play on Tuesday, Thursday. They also have a back-to-back Thursday, Friday, in which Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving will probably sit one of those two. So I think a Nets bench player like a Karis LeVert, Joe Harris, many of those guys would be great ads this week. Anything else from a fantasy roundup? Looking forward to this segment going forward here in the future. So if anyone else has some comments or any sort of uh, uh, key sleepers that they want to call out to us, please give us a shout out on Twitter or via email. Yeah, one one more person, just because I love talking about fantasy, I can't help myself. Mike Conley has been a nice little surprise this year. He struggled last year with a new team, struggled with some injuries as he kind of has as he uh, gets into his mid-30s. But He's looked really nice out there. He's kind of looked like his, his old self, able to score um, while pitching in some rebounds and, and assists. So, um, yeah, just prop, props to Mike Conley. Maybe this is less fantasy and more just NBA, but I'm happy to see him uh, start playing well again. I've always really liked Mike Conley on the, on the Grizzlies, and I hope he can succeed on the Jazz as well. 
Yeah, I, I'm I'm interested there too. The Jazz look good. I know they're only three and two, but when I've watched them play, they've looked they've looked good. And Bogdanovich has been a shell of himself if he gets out of the funk that he's in. The Jazz are a team to watch, in my opinion. I, I think uh, uh, if Conley continues at the radiators and Donovan Mitchell continues to play even rem- remotely the way that he played in the bubble, they're a dangerous team that I wouldn't want to see in the playoffs. And if Rudy can be the two hundred million dollar man. that's not happening all right so uh i want to get back to our trivia question to close things out here guys so just a quick reminder of what the question was it's who has the third most points in a single nba quarter it was supposed to be the second i ruined that in our intro to the podcast so it is the third highest point score in a quarter in nba history there are two answers here one is a former player one is a current player what do you guys got? And if, if you if you want me to just give you the former player, I will because I highly doubt you're going to get it. So I guess that means it's not Tracy McGrady. That is not. Just give unless you wanted to guess. Yeah, just, I was I was say Kobe, the, but the former player is George Gervin. Oh, of course. All right, all right. Oh, just <laughs> just slipped your mind, right, Don? Yeah. The current player. Any guesses? I don't know why, but for some reason, I want to say Buddy Healed. Wrong. Interesting. Don. Um, I'm going to say... KD. KD. That is also wrong. It is an older player. I would consider him a veteran. He just snuck back into the league last season. Found a new... Carmelo. Carmelo. Dang, I was going to say no. I just didn't... Oh man! Thirty-three points versus the T Wolves in two thousand and eight is the third most points in a quarter. Um, again, the second most, Kevin Love. First most, as everybody knows, is Clay Thompson, who we all miss. We hope he comes back and plays that's, the way that Clay Thompson always does. That's got to be such a good feeling, dropping thirty plus in a quarter in an NBA game. I, I dropped thirty in a rec league game once in my life, and I'm still riding that wave. <laughs> I can't imagine dropping 33 in a quarter of an NBA game. You just get into that zone where it feels like you're just throwing a ball into the ocean and it just always goes in. It's 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 got to be an incredible feeling. So, uh, we'll continue the trivia segment going forward here. Um I'm going to try to keep them themed with some of the things and stat lines from the week the weeks that we've seen. So, we'll keep that going. Any other final comments? I'm happy basketball is back, Ryan. I'm happy that the, the gang's all back. It's been, again, a long time since we had a podcast. And, yeah, I'm just excited to see yeah, I, see the way things unfold. I need to study some trivia. I just want to have, as long as I have more correct answers than Don, I'm good. Even if it's just one. That will never happen. You know that. All right, guys. Well, it was fun to be back. 2021's looking on the up here. Uh, we'll, we'll talk again next week. We'll have a roundup of the week as well as trivia question, Grand Fantasy Roundup. Can't say anything more other than I'm so happy to be back. So happy for the NBA to be back. If you've got any questions or comments for us, tweet us at GrannyNBA or shoot us an email at GrannyShotNBA at gmail.com. Again, thanks for listening. This is Granny Shot. Granny Shot.